In a world where an avocado is the president of the United States, there's only one man who can make the perfect guacamole. I am that man. Hi! <laughs> oh, it's good to be here. Welcome to Geek Film Critic, where we explore the best, worst, and most middle in the world of cinema. My name is Luke Jackson, and I'll be your host. I'm your best friend, and I'm your estranged son. Is that you, Dad? <laughs> uh, stoked about this week. Um, I was having a hard time trying to find what movie I wanted to watch, because there's so many that I've been meaning to watch and go back to, but the whole universe seemed to be pointing me at 2011's Rango, the animated Johnny Depp film, and I I have not thought about this movie in years. It's 10 this March. I think it came out March 4th, 2011. So it's 10 years old. But I have, I genuinely have not thought about it. But this week, I, I, every single turn, I was, I was being reminded of Rango. I was seeing posts on Instagram. And I'm currently in a creative writing class. And we're doing a short story unit. And... I wrote kind of a Western this week for a short story that was being workshopped. And Rango came up in the conversation multiple times. And again, I haven't seen Rango in 10 years. I, I vaguely remember watching it in theaters. And so it felt like the whole universe was saying, this is the week for Rango. And so if you haven't checked it out, or you haven't seen it in 10 years, or you forget everything about it, because I feel like the world's kind of forgotten about this movie. But it's on Netflix, and it's it's not half bad. So uh, if you want to check it out, check it out. And I'm going to hop into it a little bit more today. And obviously, there will be spoilers. Um, and so, yeah, let's uh, let's dive right in with a little bit about Rango. So Rango, obviously, follows Rango, <laughs> who is a thespian chameleon in search of identity. He doesn't know who he is. right? He, he, he's lived his whole life in a tank, and he only has a uh, headless, well, the torso of a Barbie doll with one arm, a little wind-up fish toy named Mr. Tim's, and a small pool, a tree. He lives in a tank. He doesn't, he doesn't have much going on. And so he's trying to figure out who he is. And so in, in the very first scene of the movie, he asks the universe for an, an ironic, unexpected event that'll that'll propel its hero, Rango, into conflict. And so immediately as he says this, the universe provides it. And an armadillo crosses the road, which causes the car that Rango's tank is in to swerve, and, the, and the, his tank goes flying out of the car and shatters. So Rango is freed from his past life. And he's left on this, on this highway, which we learn is uh, later right outside of Las Vegas is what it looks like. And so this armadillo that crossed the road is, is seen laying on the road with a, well, almost ripped in half. And this armadillo tells Rango to follow his shadow until he reaches the Wild West town of dirt. And so Rango kind of starts off on this journey and he makes it to this, this West Wild West town. And it's kind of your typical Wild West town, of course, but it's populated by exclusively uh, desert animals which are we'll talk a little bit more about the animation later but it's kind of hard to identify them because the animation is at at points terrifying <laughs> but a lot of the time it's hyper realistic so we kind of get this sense of wonder because there's all of these animals in clothes 
but mixed with this sense of reality where you can kind of make out either they're marmots or a lot of toads or I think there's a squirrel and a chipmunk. Anyways, Rango wants to blend in in, in in the bar, in the saloon of this Wild West town of dirt. He takes on the persona of a rough and tough Wild West cowboy from the far west. And so he he kind of talks himself up in this bar and he he pisses off someone that they call Bad Bill, the, the wrong guy and who challenges him to a duel. And so there's this hawk which I guess is which we learn has kind of been plaguing the town of dirt and Rango accidentally takes it down and he becomes the new sheriff and as the sheriff he becomes privy to the town's drought and sets off on a journey to fix the drought and as well as to trying to find his identity and find out who he is and kind of and he and he wants to kind of fit this role of the hero as he's always seen himself and so the whole film kind of deals with this idea of us wanting to be a hero because who doesn't want to be a hero Right, and it, it also deals with embracing destiny, choosing destiny, and, and finding out who we are. And and right from the beginning, we get this idea of destiny and kind of this miraculous uh, force of destiny that that follows us and pushes us towards who we're supposed to be. And the armadillo that gets run over uh, mentions Tarango after he's miraculously survived being tossed from car to car. The armadillo says, "Destiny is kind to you." And so immediately we get this idea that Rango has kind of been chosen by the universe or by whatever entity you choose, I guess, that he's special, that he's a hero, that he has a job. And so this idea that destiny is kind to Rango is very present throughout really the first two acts of the film. Almost all of the the action that we see and almost all of the acts of heroism that Rango commits are done accidentally. And originally what we see is as Rango's traveling to the town of dirt, we see that, that the universe is taking care of him, that his destiny, I guess, is taking care of him. He gets really lucky when a bird, the bird that he ends up killing later, is, is chasing him through the town of dirt. You know, he, he runs into a can, a tin can that just happens to be there. The hawk gets st- stuck in this tin can. He runs into a bottle, which the hawk can't get to. And then as the hawk breaks the bottle... A frog shows up, which the hawk conveniently takes instead of Rango. And then when the hawk comes back and finds Rango in the town, it's the same kind of deal, where there's a vending machine that Rango gets lucky enough to crawl into keeping him safe, which he finds licorice, and he shoots the licorice. In order to kind of get away, he ties himself to the licorice, and he shoots it with his gun, and this bullet bounces off a bunch of different things and onto a tower, which causes its collapse, which causes it to kill the hawk. And so... Rango's constantly in the right place at the right time. And I couldn't decide if I liked this. And it kind of turns into Rango's arc as he becomes the sheriff. And everyone thinks he's tough, but he's kind of always accidentally pushing the story forward. And he's always accidentally solving these issues that the townspeople have. And so, you know, at the climax, he chooses to come back and he chooses to embrace... I guess what destiny has been throwing in his way, and I and I get that, and I get that that's his arc, but because it's accidental up until the third act, about 20, 30 minutes left in the film, I had a really hard time relating or caring to Rango, because he didn't really seem to care. I couldn't tell if we were supposed to like him for for a lot of the film. It didn't really seem like he was your 
Well, he isn't. He's not your average protagonist and your average hero who's wanting to save the town because he's a good person. He's wanting to fit in in the town and kind of reap their benefits. You know, we see him... He, he punches an old woman in the face <laughs> because of a, a ritual that they're performing in order to, to, I guess, get water, which they kind of treat water as as a deity almost. They, they kind of worship the water. And he, he drinks a day's worth of the town's water supply and he, he breaks things and he has very little... He's not very apologetic for his mistakes because he, he doesn't seem to care about this town outside of wanting to fit in and wanting to be a hero for the wrong reasons, I guess. And so I, I just had a hard time relating and caring about Rango. Like when he, when he, when he faces danger, I was, I was not so, so worried about him because I didn't care. You know, I cared more about these townsfolk because they looked up to him. And so, you know, this whole idea of destiny forcing us and pushing us in the right direction I get, but the way that the movie dealt with it, I kind of had a hard time with. And so the overall message of Destiny is really accented at, at kind of uh, close to the climax of the film when Rango gets kicked out. He kind of gets outed as this fraud, as not being this Wild West bad boy who he pretended to be, that he made up a lot of his stories. And he he kind of goes back to the road where he found the armadillo and he he gets taken kind of by accident to the spirit of the west and so the spirit of the west is this really cool homage to clint eastwood and this whole movie is a really cool kind of homage to westerns and the spirit of the west we see is in a golf cart and he has five kind of oscar looking trophies in the back which reference clint eastwood's five oscars he has four for movies that he made and then he, he also won the irving g thalberg memorial award which so he has five oscars and the resemblance, he resembles uh, the man with no name from the Fistful of Dollars trilogy of westerns that are very, very classic cinema. And so this is the spirit of the West, and the spirit of the West teaches Rango that it's, it's up to him to choose his destiny. Rango at one point says, they need a hero, and the spirit of the West says, then be a hero. No man can walk out of his own story. And so this is really where Rango kind of stops falling into the action and falling and flailing his way through and kind of improvising his way through this new life and begins to choose his destiny. And so, you know, it's a, it's a cool message that we choose our story and we choose our destiny as long as we stay dedicated, right? We can be a hero. We can be who we want to be if we choose that. And so that's, you know, kind of this, this message. And it was, it was nice and I liked it. But some of the satisfaction was cut short for me because of just kind of how accidental the rest of the movie felt and the rest of Rango's uh, heroism felt. So I kind of had a hard time with that. But one of the things that I want to mention that was really, really strong about this movie was the animation. It's it's incredible. The way the, especially the setting is amazing. The The road from the very beginning was something that I was absolutely blown away with. It looks real, right? It doesn't look like it's an animated movie, and so we, we oftentimes have this really amazing sun, this really amazing animation. And there's a couple scenes where they're riding through the sunset, and Rango is walking in the moonlight, and it's absolutely beautiful. Rango himself is animated flawlessly, and 
you know, he looks like a chameleon perfectly in every little detail with his eyes and his blinking and his twitching. It's quite honestly phenomenal and, and blew me away at how amazing this animation was being 10 years old as it is. <laughs> but at the same time, this hyper-realist animation is also sometimes absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I, I quite literally shuddered when we got our first look at Beans, kind of the, the love interest in this film. She's some sort of lizard, we don't really know what, and she has these big human brown eyes, and they, the, the first time we meet her is Rango gets blown out of a, uh, I don't know what you call it, kind of like a, a sewage drain of some sorts. There's a bunch of water that comes out and Rango's sputtering and he looks up and he sees Bean's face and she is horrible to look at. Terrifying. And so that freaked me out. And so, again, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but some of the animals living in this town are the worst things in the entire world. There's a chicken with an arrow through his head, which looks horrible. There's some sort of like owl type bird creature that has a beard but he also has a beak and so the top of we don't see the bottom of the beak we kind of see the top lip of the beak i don't know my bird anatomy but he has a mustache in between and when he talks there kind of seems to be a second mustache that moves underneath it and i hated it so much i hated looking at it and it was horrible there was also at one point a frog which had boobs, and it was the only, it was the only, well, I guess, I guess Bean sort of has a feminine figure, they make her more feminine, but this was the most hyper female character in the movie, it was this frog that had these big boobs, and I hated it, I hated looking at it, it was horrible to look at, because it looks like a real frog, essentially, you know, this hyper-realistic anim hyper animated frog with breasts. And so I had a hard time looking at it. Luckily, we only see it for about, in total, 16 seconds, maybe. And so, <laughs> but the most horrible of them all was right at the beginning. And I and I had to go back and pause because it, it freaked me out. There's this, when, when Rango's being tossed between cars, there's this homage to the uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is a a uh, Johnny Depp movie where Johnny Depp wears kind of the exact same short that Rango wears, this kind of Hawaiian print red shirt, and he has yellow tinted sunglasses and a bucket hat. And there's a convertible car, which driving it is, is, is this character, is a homage to Johnny Depp's character in this movie, The Fear and, Lo Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But in the back of the car, there is this red-faced, green-shirted, gold-chained man who is horrible to look at. Absolutely terrifying. I don't, like, I, I looked it up, and it, it doesn't seem to have any reference, this background character, to the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which the character driving the car is clearly a reference to. And anyways... It's about nine minutes in. You should, if you watch this movie, pause it at this scene about nine minutes in, and it is horrifying to look at. Absolutely horrible. Again, literally sent shivers down my spine. It's gonna haunt my nightmares. This, this humanoid, animated monster. <laughs> Hated it so much. And so you know, Rango really 
it's an impressive film historically. It's only the third film since 2006 to beat out a Disney or Pixar movie for animated for the animated picture best animated feature Oscar. The other two since that time are Happy Feet one in 2006 and then uh, Spider Man the Spider Verse film one in 2018. I can't remember the the actual name. It's the Miles Morales one, which which is a wonderful film and absolutely deserved the Oscar. And looking at the other nominated films in 2006, Disney didn't actually have a film nominated. And so take with that what you will. But I think this film definitely deserved the Oscar for its animation alone. And at the same time, it's a good movie. There are some funny moments and there were some times that I that I genuinely laughed out loud that I thought were really funny. But I wouldn't classify this movie as a comedy. It's definitely more of a, a Western adventure and I don't think it was targeted to be a comedy. But I guess I, I wasn't there for, or I can't remember the the way it was marketed. And if you go in expecting a funny movie, you're definitely going to be disappointed. But, you know, overall, the movie is clever and it's original. And it's a really fun homage to Western films. So I, I did enjoy it. One of the things that really bothered me was this plot hole surrounding Rattlesnake Jake, who is kind of this mysterious antagonist that we don't see until the third act we hear very very briefly about him kind of in the middle of the movie when the townsfolk are with rango and they're out hunting uh these moles who stole their water supply and so they're out in the wilderness and one of them asks rango about rattlesnake jake and so rango kind of mentions that he's his brother and they kind of have this this conflicted past and so this is really the only time Rattlesnake Jake is mentioned. It's very, like, only maybe once before did they mention that the hawk used to scare Rattlesnake Jake away. And so, again, it's just this this mysterious antagonist that shows up in the third act. And Rattlesnake Jake confronts Rango and mentions that he's heard that Rango was calling him his brother. And so... I didn't think that Rattlesnake Jake would know this. Rattlesnake Jake isn't a part of the town, so he wouldn't have heard the rumors. And two, Rango only confirmed this on the hunt with the townspeople. So the mayor who called Rattlesnake Jake in wouldn't have known about it. And so it was just—it just felt weird to me. Rattlesnake Jake's whole his whole uh, involvement with the movie. Honestly, he was just kind of this weird antagonist who came in to be threatening, but didn't show up for the last twenty minutes. And so it kind of bothered me, and it just didn't seem to fit with the feeling of the rest of the movie. And at the at the climax of the film, there is a pretty cool, like they set up this pretty cool shootout, where it's high noon, it's dusty, Rango's in his poncho and his cowboy hat, and Rattlesnake Jake is, and anyways, they're they're showing down for this last big standoff. Um, and Rango kind of tricks Rattlesnake Jake into. I guess submission almost without going into detail this entire scene and Rango says it only takes one bullet which is a really cool line being like I'm going to shoot you cuz rattlesnake Jake is egging him on being like you don't have the you don't have the guts to shoot me and Rango says it only takes one bullet great line and so I was expecting this cool payoff of rattlesnake Jake being shot dead and and uh we learned that the mayor kind of is the is the main villain, is the actual antagonist of this film, and so I was kind of hoping for a cool, uh, cool shot from Rango with the gun of the bullet taking out both of them, because kind of a uh, 
a motif throughout this film is that Rango has taken down villains with only one sh- with only one bullet. It's all he needs. And so this is kind of the climax of that. And it doesn't happen. Rango ends up surrendering and him and Beans, his romantic interest, get thrown into, I guess, kind of a, a glass jar, essentially, to be drowned in. And what happens with the bullet is Beans accidentally swallows the bullet and... Rango uses the Heimlich maneuver to get it out of her and it breaks the glass. And so this whole line and this whole scene that was set up of it only takes one bullet was lacks payoff for me. So I had a hard time with kind of those aspects of the film. But again, overall, it was a good movie and I, and I would recommend it and I didn't hate it by any means. And so stars are completely meaningless, but I'm going to give this film three out of five twist up goldfish toys. And uh, now we're gonna bounce over to some reviews, and I'll, and I'll read a few reviews that I that I found, which I uh, which I really enjoyed. And so, this movie was kind of harder for me to find reviews because I was right in the middle, right? I, I didn't love it, I didn't hate it. It was fine, it was good, but I could, as I read reviews, I could see why people loved it, and I could see why people hated it. And so, I didn't dis- I didn't disagree with as many reviews. You know, I read some of the negative ones, and I was like, you know what that. That's a pretty fair point. A lot of people didn't like the animation, which it's fair. It's not Disney. It's not Pixar. It's not for everybody. A lot of people didn't like kind of the the Western theme, which again, it's Westerns aren't for everybody. And so it was harder for me to find reviews, but I did find a few that I did that I did want to share. Uh, the first one is a one out of 10 star review from IMDB user Everessence70. Uh, They start by saying, on a positive note, the animation details are absolutely amazing. The technology gets better and more impressive with every film. I wanted to like this movie. I took my 12-year-old son and 10-year-old daughter. I was embarrassed and uncomfortable that I chose this movie. I couldn't believe how blatantly sexist this film was. The main character has a friend that is a headless, topless Barbie doll. I realized that a Barbie doll is a doll, but the writers make it sexual when they have Rango put his arm around it and ask if the breasts are fake or real. And so I'm going to hop in here. I don't think I agree that the film was blatantly sexist. You know, the Barbie doll is really... It's its only in the beginning... It only gets attention in about three or four shots. And it's not very prominent and very important. But the, the moment that Everessent 70 is mentioning is a moment at the beginning of the film where uh, Ringo is sitting lonely by himself in his tank with this Barbie doll. And this Barbie doll is... And he's kind of making the Barbie doll place its hand on his knee. And he's kind of... Like, oh, I'm embarrassed. Don't do that. And then he looks at this doll's torso. He surveys it up and down. He says, are those real? (laughs) And I thought it was pretty funny. And, I, you know, I guess it sexualizes the doll to an extent. But I don't know. I didn't find it blatantly sexist. And I don't... (laughs) I certainly didn't find it offensive. And it was, to me, it was less sexist than, if anything, more a comment on the proportions of... Barbie dolls and how unrealistic they are. And so I I got where Everessent was 70 was coming from here, but I don't think I agreed with it being blatantly sexual. And they can kind of continue their their thoughts on it here by saying, breasts are prominent throughout the movie. There is a character, I think a frog, that has large breasts heaving out of her dress. The character adds nothing to the storyline. It is very odd to have gratuitous sexuality in a family film. So (laughs) as I talked about before, I hated this frog. Horrifying to look at because it's just 
terribly, terribly done. I don't, I don't get it. But again, I, to, to say that this is overly sexual, what's the wording? I think Everestant 70 mentions breasts are prominent and gratuitous sexuality. We only see this frog three or four times. And she's wearing a pretty common Western dress that you'd see in Westerns. It's kind of that tight dress, which looks like it has a corset and it's frilly on the top of the breast line. And yes, yes, the breasts are prominent. And yes, I hated them, but they're never really focused on. And if anything, they're just kind of adding to this setting of being a Western. So I got it. And I, I'm sure my guess would be that the animators put it in because they thought it was funny. I thought it was horrible. <laughs> and so I, I, I would say gratuitous sexuality is a bit of a stretch. I don't think it's focused on and I don't think it's necessary enough to hate this movie because it is such a small part uh they continue and say there are cuss words that do not add any value to the storyline i truly wish that writers would consider their audience that that writers would consider their audience and include impressionable children sorry they they wrote that poorly (laughs) i should i should have read through that and maybe fixed up their grammar before i read it they're saying that the cuss words don't add value, which I which I disagree with. The cuss words in the film are damn and hell, and they definitely add to the story because they, they give us the feeling of an old west town. That's how people talk in the old west. And I get it's not for everybody, but it's a western. I don't, I don't know what they expect, and I, they didn't really make a meal out of these damn and hells. Didn't happen very often. It was pretty far in between when it would happen. But I, I do agree that ham, hell and damn are, are definitely more prominent than it would be in, in a Disney film, which I, I'm going to guess that this user is more used to. And so okay, I don't think I agree with the fact that they're taking this, the, the small sexuality and the small cussing, which sure are more, more prominent than a Disney film, which oftentimes has zero. But at the same time, if you look at Disney films like... Big Hero 6 or other Pixar films that show kind of women with <laughs> large womanly features, I feel like that's just as sexual as, as the, the sexuality in this movie. So it seems odd to focus on. Uh, they wrap up their review by saying, Rango lies to everyone about being a tough guy. The Spirit of the West said, You started it now, you must finish it. It is not very clear what message they want us to walk away with. I suppose you could say the philosophy of Rango is fake it until you make it. So a lot of times I feel like the message we walk away with from a movie is it's a choice. It's absolutely a choice. If you want Rango to teach you to fake it till you make it, it certainly can. If you want Rango to teach you to cherish water, you certainly can. But that's a choice. You know what I mean? To, to take meaning out of context like that. But if you take the movie as a whole, contextually, it comments on identity. And we learn that the spirit of the West is whatever we need to see, right? The spirit of the West isn't always this Clint Eastwood figure. The armadillo mentions that it's whoever we want to see. It's whatever we need. Rango, who is an actor and has this knowledge of of, uh, Hollywood tropes and Western tropes, clearly needed this oscar-winning clint eastwood character and he needed to hear that if he wanted to be a hero he needed to choose that so contextually as a whole it is unintelligent and intentionally ignorant to say that this film's message is fake it until you make it you can take that away if you want but to blame the movie for your personal interpretation i think is is dumb (laughs) 
Uh, next is a one out of five star review from Google reviewer Wilburn Eli SPSP. <laughs> they say, this movie, whoo boy, this movie is a train wreck on top of a plane crash on top of a forest fire. Every time someone even remotely mentions this movie, my spleen explodes. My blood rises to a boil and my mind is filled with epinephrine. I hate this movie so much that I feel sorrow for the producers, not because it is their fault, but just for the fact that anyone within 100 miles of this movie at any time will develop prostate cancer and ligma. Cancer and ligma. <laughs> you know what is more pleasant than watching this movie? Ripping my skin off and then putting it back upside down and then dipping myself into boiling mustard. It is not a good movie and should be outlawed in this solar system for the sake of the entire human race. <laughs> So I have no comments. You know, if you hate this movie, you hate it. I just thought that was hilarious. Um, the last review I'm going to touch on is a one out of star, one out of five star review from Google reviewer Julia Griffin. Julia says, "Did not like the beginning with the naked looking Barbie scene. As a mother of a whole bunch under f five years of age, had a lot of questions. I did not know how to explain, so we didn't even finish the movie. So that's all they said. And you know, I don't want to tell anybody how to parent their kids." But if you get questions about a Barbie doll torso from your kids that you cannot answer, maybe the movie isn't the issue. <laughs> and I also want to bring up this review because it embodied a lot of reviews I saw about Rango not being a movie for young kids, which the movie is rated PG-13. The Ratings Association came out and said, no, this movie is not for young kids. It exists for this exact reason. So you don't take your kid under five to see a movie that they're going to not understand and that may be a little bit inappropriate for them. PG-13 means, nope, not for five-year-old kids. And I get it that animation is typically a, a, a centered around small children. But again, the rating system literally exists for this purpose. So you can look at a film and say, oh, it's PG-13. Maybe I shouldn't take my five-year-olds, right? And I guess it's up to parents, but clearly this woman is faulting this movie for her failures as a mom. <laughs> and the whole thing, a lot of these reviews were kind of in this vein, and it reminded me of when Deadpool came out. And Deadpool was kind of the first R-rated superhero movie in the Marvel Universe, right? And it came out and there's this whole thing of parents would take their kids and they'd be shocked at the F words and the sexual nature and the nudity and all sorts of things. And so, again, this movie, is it was rated R. And so it, it bothers me that parents are faulting films for their ignorance. You know, it's just, it's a shame. And I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up there. You know, I, I, I enjoyed Rango. I probably won't watch it again for another 10 years, but... I would recommend it. You know, it was fun. And, and I appreciate you you coming on this journey with me. It's it's always fun to do this, and I look forward to recording these episodes every single week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore underscore Luke Jackson, or shoot me an email at luke.jackson at thegeekwave.com. If you have comments, if you, if you want to talk about this movie with me, if you have anything you want to say, if there's a movie that you want to hear me talk about, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, if you, if you like this show, if you listen to this show, share with a friend. It would mean a lot. Um, yeah, and that's I think that's going to do it for, for me this week. Uh, I'm going to leave you all with the wise words of a Google reviewer named Lola Woods. Lola says, 
instead of the death penalty, there should be the Ringo penalty, where inmates are forced to watch this awful cinematic train wreck on repeat, and I bet you that crime rates will go down because no one, no one will want to be forced to do that. I hate Rango with a burning passion, like an internal flame that won't go out until it's banned in all 195 countries in the world, but that's still not enough. Go ahead and ban it on Mars. Even the aliens can't stand it. The makers of this movie should be very ashamed of themselves for ruining the lives of so many innocent individuals. If you have too have been affected by Rango, please contact me. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For Geek Film Critic, I'm Luke Jackson.